Welcome to Secret Sauce for Success, show number 12. Hi everybody, you have tuned in to the Secret Sauce for Success show where we strive to find the secret ingredients that lead to success. We interview successful guests every week and learn their secret to their success. We sincerely hope you implement these habits into your life and become the best you that you can be. Enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? It's Rick Stahl, host of the Secret Sauce for Success show. Live from Colorado, here with my co-host, Doug Kirstein. What's going on, Doug? Uh, Rick, snow is what's going on, man. I'm up to my knees in snow. I think I got about 18 inches now. It's falling like crazy. They say that March and April are the snowiest months here in Colorado. Sometimes we get really bad snow and sometimes not so much. So this year it looks like we're going to get dumped on here. Hopefully this will be the worst of it, but we'll see. We're, we're used to it. We went to the grocery store and got the necessities, you know, some frozen pizzas and some toilet paper. So we're good to go. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Reminds me of growing up in North Dakota out there. Yeah, you're used to this sort of thing. This is probably like a light snow for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was so impressed when I moved to Colorado that snow actually fell straight down and not at a, like a 20 mile an hour wind blowing it at a 45 degree angle. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, all the wide open spaces up there in uh, in the Dakotas, you know, it can do that. Right? Yep. Hey, what do you got for a quote for the day, Doug? You know, it's a great quote. Just based on some of the things that we've been talking about here over the last 11 weeks, we have this desire to buy real estate, to hold it, to, to make some money. But Will Rogers, of all people, has a great quote about that. He said, don't wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. So I There think, you go. You know, that's, that's good, simple advice. It looks like things haven't changed in a very long time. And I think the more the population grows, the more we we see expansion of, of territory here in the United States and growth and all that, that, uh, yeah, buying some real estate and waiting on it's a good strategy. Yeah, and our guest for the week, uh, Susan Williams, sounds like that's what her and her husband did. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Many of our guests, in fact, have done that same thing. But Susan, certainly, they're uh, using that property for a lot of different things, VRBO, weekend or weekly basis. Yeah, what can you tell the, the listeners about Susan here as an intro? Yeah, Susan is quite the accomplished lady. I think that uh, she is the first and probably the last that we'll have that was an, an actual Olympian. So, uh, you know, she won the, the bronze medal in 2004 in Athens for the triathlon. That was quite remarkable. I looked up some pictures of her, looked at her sit standing on the whatever that little stand is there that they stand on. And she had her little, little daughter with her who's now in college. Uh, that was kind of fun to see that. Yeah, quite an interesting, uh, interesting person. And she's an engineer, so she's smart and she's athletic. And I mean, geez, talk about an overachiever. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I love the fact with her is not only the business side, the engineering side, is the personal growth side, how she ties in athleticism with personal growth with weight loss. And she really helped me. I just felt trapped and I could never get ahead of losing weight. And she just helped me. And it was really through counting calories was a thing. And I just felt like I had my life back again. I'd like, I just hate being out of control. And no matter what I did, I'd exercise, but then I just eat more because I was hungrier and I could never get ahead of it. And so that was really just a eye opener for me. And even though I'm still, I gained the weight back, I, at least I know I can control it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's a big part of life. The, the more we feel that we're in control of, 
uh, maybe our bodies or whatever it is, our finances, as our podcast goes, the better we feel about our futures and, and those things that we can't control. So you're right on target, I think, with that desire to, to be in control of things, for sure. Yep. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get to the interview with Susan Williams. Great. Today on Secret Sauce for Success, we have a special guest with us, Susan Williams. Welcome to the show. Well, I am certainly happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks. We're glad to have you. Oh, thanks. All right, Susan, who are you? I'm a mother of three. I am an engineer. I used to be a professional athlete, and um, I do some coaching now. I think what ties me in here is I have invested a little bit in the Colorado real estate um, and had some okay success with that. I think we're it's good that we got our foot in the door. So that's kind of a nutshell who I am. Okay. All right. Well, I'd love to dig back into your history of real estate. How did you get your start? What was your first deal? It started in, um, let's see, I think it's the late 90s. My mom, her mom passed away and had a rental property in San Diego. So that was quite valuable. And it was divided up among her and her siblings. It was a rental property. So as you know, if you roll those proceeds into another rental property, you can delay the capital gains. So I suggested to her that maybe we go in together and buy a little condo up in Frisco, Colorado. She put her money in and I put what I had in and then um, kind of set up a loan with her to pay her back over time. So that was kind of my initial, our initial foot in the door. It was like a little two bedroom, 800 square foot condo in, um, in Frisco. Okay. Did you do an Airbnb on that? We did. We did VRBO. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. And how long did you have that? The numbers kind of blur together, but I think we had it for maybe six years. It was a little two bedroom. And after my third child, it was just too small for us. So we thought we'd look to get something bigger. Plus it was a really old building built in the sixties. There's no garage. You you had to go upstairs outside to kind of get into the unit. We decided to to get something a little nicer. Well, now, were you guys using this for your own? We, uh... So we rented it and we would go up there. We didn't go up there much in the winter. That's usually we'd rent out. And we would probably go up. I mean, we would if we had to clean or fix something. We would probably go up there probably two or three times in the summer and just enjoy summer up there. Fourth of July was usually a time where we would we would go up there and anything that needed fixed or something while we were there. But most part, enjoy it. Right. So that's one of the neat benefits here of you know renting out of one of these mountain homes is mm-hmm. you can go enjoy it too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe there's like a, a 10 day maximum for personal use, but it seems like pretty much every time we've gone up to any of our properties, we're fixing something or bringing something or cleaning it. So it's, you know, we're kind of working on it, not just up there to play. Right. Right. Yeah. I got to tell you a story of my old realtor. We were looking into doing the same thing and he's like, Rick, why don't you just get a long-term rental down here and there's less people coming through it and it's a little more stable and then use your proceeds to go up there and just rent something when you need it and then you don't have to do the maintenance of it. Yeah. So there's two sides to a coin, right? Exactly. And I I know um, it's nice to have the place up there, but when we had the fiasco with our place now in Fair Play with Bears getting into trash, so my husband had to go up there like, 10 o'clock at night and clean up trash in the pitch black and there's a bear out there somewhere. And it's like, it'd be a lot easier if we just had to go across town or, you know, go in the neighborhood. All right. So you're renting this place up in Frisco. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're renting that out. We decided we want to look at something bigger. So we looked around Summit County and we found a few things that were maybe a little bigger, but just as old or a few things that were newer, but just as small. 
And my sister used to live in Winter Park a long time ago, and I enjoyed going there. So we thought, well, let's go look in Winter Park because um, you can get a lot more for your money there. Um, still probably can. So we ended up getting a, it's like a, a three-bedroom, like 1,500-square-foot townhome in uh, Fraser, And that was really nice. We really enjoyed using that. Every time we bought, we'd get more for your money, but you'd lose some of the amenities at the time. There weren't as many restaurants. And, you know, you're in Summit County. There's, like, everything, Vitamin Cottage, Whole Foods, whatever you need. We're up in Fraser, not quite as much. But we really enjoyed that. But that one had, you know, homeowner's dues, which were really high. And they kept going up and up to where they're almost $500 a month just for the homeowner's fees. And then they needed to redo all the siding and they needed to redo a hut. So they're going to start having all, we'd already paid, gosh, a few thousand dollars in assessments and they're going to be a whole bunch more and coming up. And we just, I decided, I was like, I'd, I'd rather not have to deal with the homeowners association and maybe get a house. I think we had the place in Fraser for five years and it went up quite a bit, actually. Gosh, I think the value of that went up like $170,000, but we couldn't really find anywhere in the house that we could afford so I started looking around on Zillow and I like Fairplay. Um, I just like the mountains there and the hiking and looked a little bit Fairplay. And, and sure enough, for a little bit more, we got a house that's on an acre that's you know 2,500 square feet. But what we lost were now there's no restaurants in Fairplay. There's a little little market, but not even a Safeway. So you know we're a little more remote up there. For me, it's fine. I think the kids get a little bored when they're up there because there's not as much to do. It's really pretty, and I've enjoyed that when we get to go up there, even if it's just for the day and we're cleaning. But it's really pretty up there. When you had the place at Fraser, did mm-hmm. you do the VRBO again? We did. Yeah, yeah, we kept doing VRBO. We still do that now. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And what can you tell us a little bit about that? I've never used VRB. Yeah, so it used to be you'd pay an annual fee and I think it was about $500 a year and then you get the website, they take care of all the billing, then you'd have to pay the taxes and everything else. Like they would just charge you um and then you could upgrade the membership too if you wanted to have more pictures or get priority on where you pop up on searches. Now they do it a little different. They actually there's no annual fee, but they take a percentage out every rental. And it's usually about 10%. And that's, oh, and then they, they actually now take care of the taxes. They take care of, um, you know, the, the reservations. They take about 10% of ours, but then they also charge the renter amount too. So they, I think they're making quite a bit of money, but it, it helps us because, you know, word of mouth, you're not going to be able to rent it as much as, you know, you'd like to rent it. Right. Is it cost effective to do that or as cost effective if you were to rent those out? And does it make a lot of sense to do VRBO? Is it really worth that extra cost? It is for us because we don't have time to promote it or find other ways. And there's people all over the country that have come use it because they find it. So many people use that VRBO tool. You know, the the downside is we've had people that didn't respect the place and that's frustrating. When we go up there and find the messes, I was like, I wish we didn't have to rent this. But, you know, it's a business. I have to tell myself this isn't my home. You know, it's a rental property. And but sometimes it's just so frustrating that people can be so disrespectful of you know, someone else's property. So comparable to like a long-term rental, how do you think, you know, because I think the BRBO or the short-term rentals, they do return a higher cash flow versus long-term rental. Do you have any idea of what number that would be? Is it 10% more, 20, 30? I don't. I mean, I know I can say that with taking out our expenses and what we made last year, I mean, I don't mind disclosing, it was like $5,000 is what we made in a year. Not a lot of money, but it pays for it. It pays for the insurance and the 
utilities and everything. So we're basically not paying anything, you know, while it's inflating and we occasionally can go up there. So tell us a little bit more about this place in Fair Play. Fair Play. So it's a cabin, four bedroom, three bath, like three levels. I think it's it's 2,400 square feet. I believe it's on an acre. And then when we bought it, we also, it included another empty lot next to it. That's another acre. So it's a couple acres of land. Which I figured that extra lot, you know, that's pure investment. We'll hold on to it. And, you know, if we need cash or something, then we know that's something we can, we can sell. And I think, or I don't think our house is appreciated much because I think we overpaid for it. I know that things are getting really built up up there lately because I think Denver area is getting so crowded. I'm going to cross my fingers that in the next decade, it will, it will go up quite a bit. So are you going to try to build a cabin on that extra lot? I don't think so. I think we'll just hold on to it as land. I am thinking about maybe buying some land elsewhere that maybe we would build on someday. I spoke with someone out at Crested Butte. My husband and I really like that area. So that might be something that we would invest in and maybe someday sell where we live now and sell the Fair Play house and build our dream house there or something. So we'll see. You know, I'm certainly not an investor and I don't know a lot about that kind of thing, but I am pretty darn sure that buying land in the mountains in Colorado is, is a good investment right now. You know, you're not going to lose money on it. Right. If you pay, you know, what it's the value and don't overpay. Just about any kind of real property in Colorado right now is a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. My daughter's at School of Mines and she keeps saying, oh, you should buy a place in Golden so we can rent it. And I know the house they rent, they pay a lot in rent and it's a small, old, you know, not very nice house. So I don't have that kind of cash right now to buy a house in Golden, but I think it'd be a good place to invest. On this property that you have up there in Fairplay, how often or what percentage of time is it rented out? So interesting, we, we bought it in spring and we didn't rent it until that next winter. It always rents the mid-December through the holidays. Like that book's up by June. Last year and the year before, I guess we've had it, this is our third winter. It really only rented maybe um, three to five rentals in the winter, but it rented a lot in the summer. We had actually people that rented it for a month last summer. That's kind of unfortunate for us because we like to go up to the mountains in the summer and not huge on the skiing. So we like to rent it in the winter. <laughs> But this year, and I, I guess because of COVID, people wanting to just get out of Dodge, it's been rented every weekend, probably since mid-December. And it also rented a couple weekends in October, over Thanksgiving, two in November, which it, it hasn't before. And it's rented every weekend until I think this weekend it wasn't. And then one more weekend in March, it's not. And then it already got a bunch of summer rentals on it. I think right now with COVID, people want to get away <laughs> and they can't go travel much so they just you know they want to get up in a way where they can at least change their scenery i think that's why it's rented so much this year now i've seen the place and it looks great did you take professional photos or anything for your vrbo well so we actually used a bunch of the photos from the prior owners because they had it on vrbo and then i have one of my really good friends is a photographer so she came and took a few more for us so yeah yeah it's a beautiful place well, thanks. We enjoy it when we can get up there. So, you know, this is secret sauce for success. So do you have any like successful tips to give budding uh, real estate investors? I think that as, as Rick, I think you and I may have talked that if you have some sort of funds, you know, even if you need to take a loan out to invest it into real estate, you know, as we just mentioned, Colorado is pretty 
pretty hot. So if you have something spare, you know, find a way to invest it if you can. Because I know, you know, one of my money market accounts gets 0% interest. I think stocks have been doing well, but I don't know how people feel about the stock market. But I think with real estate, we talk about you, you can't really go wrong. So if there's a way you can find, get a loan or something that you can actually invest, I think it's a good good way to go. Yeah. Doug, can you help her out with a 0% CD? <laughs> yeah, I'm an investment advisor. My ears perked up when you said 0%. Right? Yeah, well, so that was the, our Bank of the West account. I have another one that actually gets 0.05%. But one of it, actually, I looked at it, it was zero interest for the year. I was like, I, I didn't know they could do that. <laughs> yeah, they don't have any obligation to pay on those things. So that's Yeah, a- yeah, okay. Let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Here at Stahl Realty, you are number one. I'm a realtor with HomeSmart, and my job is to make sure you are satisfied. Here is what one satisfied client of Stahl Realty had to say. Rick Stahl was an awesome asset in helping our family find a home that checks all our boxes. He is patient and committed. I would recommend calling upon his services. One of my favorite mottos is making milestones memorable. Buying or selling a house can be overwhelming, but with my guidance and expertise, I can make this process as smooth as possible. I can be reached via email at stallrealty at gmail.com or text call me at 720-429-3303. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, back to our show. So uh, I know you're a coach too. Rick tells me that you do some coaching and that sort of thing. Outside of even just the real estate area here, do you have any other thoughts, just general nuggets for success to keep a person on the right track? I definitely like to be active and I think it's really important for people no matter how busy they get. I know I get on Rick about this sometimes that it's so important to, to take care of our bodies and, you know, and what we eat and, and getting that exercise. And I know, again, with COVID, sometimes people's means of exercising was not available, but that's one of the great things about Colorado is, you know, there's few days where you can't get outside, at least get moving. And I've trained athletes from, you know, Ironmans and marathons all, but you know, my favorite are the ones that are not active people and they want to do a 5k and, you know, just helping them just get that motivation to get started um, on some kind of exercise program. That's kind of a a big deal to me. And I, I like to share that with others. So how did you get started in this coaching thing? So it started from my athletics. I started doing triathlons. And then after I kind of retired, I decided that I wanted to use all the knowledge that I had. And I've had a lot of coaches over the years between my swimming and my you know, running and things. And I, I thought I'd really like to share what I've learned with others and help others reach goals. I had some really, really good coaches that really encouraged me and helped me accomplish things I never thought I could. So I kind of wanted to be able to offer that to other people and use what I've learned to help people reach goals and mostly athletic. I think that's certainly my area of expertise on reaching athletic goals. And what was the sport that you were in? So I was a swimmer all the way through college. I swam in college and then I started doing triathlons. That's where I turned professional and started racing professionally as a triathlete. Yep. And I don't know if you know this, Rick, but I was in the Olympics too. I did not know that. I didn't tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in uh, 2004 in Athens. I was in the Olympic triathlon. Wow. Okay. How did you do? I got third place. Got bronze. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. Wow. Yeah. You were certainly the first and I would not probably be overstating it to say probably be the last person that we'll interview that has an Olympic medal. 
<laughs> okay. That's Woo, a very nice. unusual thing. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is just amazing. You know, the people that we know, I mean, they're yeah. all successful. I mean, yeah. all around us, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really so, cool. so you decided after this great career, you decided yeah. to go help return to favor and coach other people yeah. and you picked triathlons. I did. I, so I started a triathlon team here locally in Littleton and kind of Heinz Ranch. But then I also had some athletes I coached that were just swimmers or just runners. So kind of any, and bikers, I helped with mountain bikers. Not all endurance sports, but swim, biking, and running. I was able to start helping out. And mostly triathletes, but there were a few that were not multi-sport athletes. Do you have any great stories to tell about coaching? Oh, gosh. I'd have to think about that one. I have a funny story about training. Can I share that one? (laughs) I was self-coaching and I was part-time and my now husband was a training partner and we decided we're going to do a 40-hour training week. And so I was working 20 hours and he was working 40 hours, but we both decided we're going to do a 40-hour training week. So we would bike across town and swim and bike back. It's crazy. Well, Tim, because he's also working 40 hours, We got to Sunday and he still needed like a few hours. So he was exhausted and he decided that he was going to go mow the lawn for his last bit of his training week to to get his time in because that's about all he had the energy to do. So I thought that was kind of funny. Wow. That's really pushing yourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's super smart, but yeah, it was kind of funny. (laughs) And we were were younger. So, you know, I wouldn't do that now. (laughs) So there seems to be a lot of correlation between you know, investing in business and personal growth and athletics. Can you tell us a little bit about how you try to tie those together? You know, I think that maybe it comes, the tie in maybe just being driven, like, you know, wanting to be successful and working hard to either like with, you know, with exercise, you're, you're challenging yourself every day with practice, but with the investment side, it's, it's working hard at learning things, you know, learning what opportunities, learning what good ways to invest. I think it's a lot of putting the hard work in and putting the time in, learning what you can to do things better and better. Yeah, lifelong learning is one of those secrets to success that we found. This is hard to say because I don't like to fail, but sometimes I think when we can learn a lot from things we do poorly with the home that we've had and the VRBO, I, I can't think of anything top of my head, but I'm sure there's been some things that we probably like, oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. To be honest, I still question our move to fair play or, you know, selling Frasier. I, I think as an investment, it might have been wiser to stay in Frasier. Okay, here's a mistake. So when we bought our house, you know, we didn't have to do an appraisal. And the realtor that we had said, you know, do you want to do appraisal? I was like, well, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think she's like, oh, I think you're right at market value. And so we didn't do an appraisal. I'm pretty darn sure that we overpaid by a bit, you know, ten, twenty thousand $20,000. I don't know. So that was a, a that was a mistake. You know, I should have spent the four hundred dollars to do an appraisal just to make sure, if anything, the peace of mind that okay, this is what it appraised for, where I feel comfortable with it. Right. Get an inspection, get an appraisal. Yep, we did get the inspection, but we didn't get the appraisal. <laughs> did you not have a loan on that property? No. Well, we do with my mom, but it's all kind of just between my mom and my husband and I. So. Oh. Sure, not from a, a bank or through official. Exactly. Bank. Yeah. Yeah. So we thought we were being real savvy. Ah, we don't need to get the pay that money for an appraisal. But you know, might have been wise. <laughs> right. Well, I bought this recent investment property. I didn't get an appraisal. Yeah. So, so who knows, right? Who knows, right? And I get some uh, emails sometimes about housing prices up there. And I think that we would sell ours for 
maybe a touch more than we paid, but that was three years ago. And there's all this, oh, the, the market and fair play is hot. You, everything's going fast. I'm like, I don't think we'd get much more than we paid for it because we pay too much. <laughs> so, yeah. but I, I think it's going to keep going up. So I'll be optimistic that it'll go up. And by the time we decide we want to sell. And you've been using it for family vacations, right? Yeah, we've been going up there usually a week each year vacation, although my husband can't stop building things. Like last vacation, he built a shed and still kind of improving the property. Yeah. I sounds like my kind of guy. I love to build stuff and do that kind of thing. That's my way of relaxing. So. Ah, okay. Yep, yep, uh, yep. That sounds good. I think, you know, you talk about overpaying for the property a little bit, but it sounds like at least with what you're doing with it, it's it's working out though, so. You know, slightly less profit is better than lost. Very true. And and that we're making a little bit each year. We're not losing money on it annually. So that's good. Right. Yeah. So where do you turn for inspiration then when you need growth and guidance and that do you have authors you like to read or podcasts you like to listen to? I, that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't read a lot except for like nonfiction when I have time. Like I have some good friends and my husband are really encouraging. So I, I you know, I seek out that for the encouragement you know, when things are challenging, the encouragement and, uh, you know, kind of helping me see things in different perspectives. I have read a few books. I, I do like the ones about some of the, there's um this one gal, it's called Swimming to Antarctica. And she actually, for some reason, her body can adapt in colder water more than a normal person. And she actually swam a mile in Antarctica with no wetsuit. Like she's done the English Channel and women because she was also a pretty cool person. I've also read one about an ultra runner who was insane, but the swim person was just kind of down to earth. Oh yeah, I'm just gonna go swim here and go swim 50 miles here, and you know, it was it was pretty cool to to see what people can do, like how they can push themselves in crazy ways. So maybe that in sense kind of kind of motivates me to to try more things or work a little harder or something. Yeah, I know you, and you are pretty driven. Where do you get that drive from? Yeah, I guess maybe the competitiveness that I was born with. You know, if I'm doing something, I want to do it well. I'm not a perfectionist. Like, there's things that that's good enough. But if I'm putting my effort into, I really, I want to do well. You know, I want to make sure that I'm giving it everything I have to do the best I can do. I am kind of the same way as you. I'm not a perfectionist, but if I do something, I don't like to do it just halfway. I want to yep. build something. I want to build it the right way. If I, you know, I play a couple of musical instruments, I, I'd like yep. to play three or four other ones, but I just don't have time for that. I got to focus on the ones that I'm doing, right? Right. I'm not a competitive person. I don't have that drive to be the very best at everything I do. So I'm wondering if you have thoughts on good places to start or just places to find inspiration if you're you're not particularly competitive to, to find that drive to go and, and maybe do some of these things. You know, would you find motivation in trying to learn something new? You know, does, was that something that maybe would motivate you just to kind of be better at it for yourself, not comparing yourself to anyone else within how, if there's something you want, you know, I'm not really good at that, but I really want to be better. Finding things that interest you that maybe you want to put the time into. I find that when I was a swimmer, I kind of, my last four years, I didn't improve very much. I think I peaked at a young age. And it was very frustrating, all that hard work, morning workout, things where I didn't get better. And then when I started to do triathlons, which is kind of a new sport, I found I could get better at it. And that motivated me to keep doing it and keep doing it because I could see improvement. And that's why I think, too, someone is finding something that I'm maybe not good at. It becomes more fun and challenging because I can see improvement by just putting some time into it. So, yeah, the tangible results that you can see from putting that effort in and putting that work in, not right. in comparison to someone else, but just in right. 
terms of that day-to-day -day improvement or week-to-week. -week, right, right. So it comes kind of from within, yeah. So when I met Susan, I've always struggled with my weight, and it's always been increasing and just creeping up on me. And I met Susan, and I was like, you know, help me. I was like, what do I do? And, you know, she was very encouraging and told me to, you know, try counting calories. And I've tried exercising, but I just eat as much as I exercise, so I can never get ahead of it. And with Susan's help, I started counting calories. Doug, you were saying, you know, I wasn't competing against somebody else. I was just competing against myself, counting the calories. And I saw the details of my day, my week. And then you need an accountability partner too. So I was Susan, just thinking that. Yep. I was just thinking that's the other piece is having someone to be accountable to. Yeah. Yep. So every Tuesday morning, I weigh myself. I send a report to Susan and she's very encouraging. And so anyhow, the first time in my life, trying to drop weight, I, I guess the second time, back in my 20s, I was running a lot. I was able to drop a lot of weight. But then since then, this was the only other time I've been able to drop. I think I dropped 23 pounds. And then as soon as I got down there, I, I shot back up again. And, well, that's because we're not in person and I can't keep checking in on you. That's <laughs> right. So, so the counting the calories, the apps are very convenient. I mean, they, they hmm. pretty much lead you through. You can just go select what you had previously. You know, I, I do snack a lot. So that's the harder yeah. part, but you can scan a scan code and that'll help you figure out what calories to count there. And just recently, I started counting again. I think it boils down to whatever it is. If it's rental properties or swimming, find your key performance indicators, your KPIs, I believe yeah. they call it. Yeah. And, and track them. And if you can track them, you can start adjusting your game plan to succeed. Yeah. That's a much more technical way than I put it, but it's very well said. But then also that piece of, of having someone help you out. Like, I'm not really sure how to do this part of it. Well, go find someone who's really good at that and, you know, have them kind of guide you a little bit or answer questions or something so that you're not going at it alone. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that'd be happy to share their real estate knowledge and their, you know, what they've successes they've had and what mistakes they've made and can help us as we try and do the same. Right. Because we don't need to repeat all the same mistakes that everyone else has made. Go learn from their example. I think that's good advice. Most of the people I know are always very happy to share and, and like to see someone avoid a particular pitfall, a particular problem that they've yeah. encountered. It gives them some gratification. They yeah. got to help somebody else out. So yeah, I think that's definitely good advice if anybody struggles with even just reaching out and asking for help. But people generally like to help. And, and yeah, yeah. And I, I do think there's people that are reluctant to ask for help. And my husband's actually one of those. Do it myself, I, you know, but... I think he's finding now that, hey, if I need help, I, I'm going to ask. You know, all of us, we have a lot of responsibilities in life, right? Stress building up all the time. So how do you deal with stress? I swim. <laughs> Honestly, exercise is my peacefulness. It's my sanity. When I get really stressed out, I feel a lot better if I can go exercise and move. And that's my go-to. So, you know, if I'm hurt or weather's bad or something and I can't go do that, I get pretty bummed out. So what would you recommend to our listeners how to exercise? What's a recommended beginner regimen? Get out the door. <laughs> Get out the door. I remember there was a, some runner that wrote a book saying it's sometimes so hard to, to get out the door, but he said, tell yourself you're just going to go run to the mailbox and back. I'm just going to put on my shoes. I'm going to run to the mailbox and then I'll come back. And most people, once they get out, there's like, well, I'm out here. I might as well just keep on going. So it's, you know, get out the door. I think sometimes it's so simple, but could really 
really make a difference. And I know starting an, an exerciser program or an, you know an eating program is the hard part. Once you get started, it's easier to kind of keep that momentum going. As you may know too, with what you went through, Rick, with your with your eating, it's you're definitely not going to accomplish the goal if you don't start. Right. I so, think starting and then tweaking the result is one of the keys to success. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Get started on it. Find some accountability. Find some help. You know, maybe a, a friend. They're gonna they're gonna do it with you, or you know, or an investor. It's gonna help you kind of answer some of the questions that you have, or the you know the worries you have about it. Yeah, yeah and that accountability partner is big. I mean, it's really big. It is. Because you yeah. you'll fail. You will fail. I don't Find think a... we were meant to do things on our own. You know, right. we're we're meant to do things as a community and help each other and. All right. So, you know, again, secret sauce for success. What are your secrets? I don't know if I have any secrets. I mean, working hard, I think is important that, you know, it's no secret to go work hard. I think that's where I found my success of really giving it my best. And I'm not great at this. I've seen where it helps is not being afraid to fail. You know, I'm going to go give it the best I can and I might not meet that goal. And actually, after the Olympics, I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of kids in schools. And that's one of the things that I would say, the definition of success, it's not winning. You know, it's not making the most money. It's doing the very best you have with what you've got every day and trying and putting the effort in. One of my coaches, one of her saying was, leave no stone unturned. You know, if you're going to do something, just give it your best. And then, you know, if you don't succeed, you know, you gave it all you had. I bet you really enjoyed swimming or else you wouldn't have gone as far as you did. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, to be honest, there were definitely days where I dreaded going to practice because it was so hard. But once I got there, I've had my friends there. You know, my coach always encourages me that accountability. Once I got there, glad to be there. Once I got home, glad I went. So that's where that accountability really helped because, you know, if it was just me going to a pool by myself, you know, how that would have turned out. <laughs> Probably not great when I was younger. Now I don't mind, but I'm not as competitive. There were times where, yeah, it was it was hard to, to get to the practice, but that's where I had that accountability that really made a difference and got me there. And then once I was there, I would certainly work my tail off. So what do you do for fun? Well, I love to hike and swim. <laughs> Did I mention I like to swim? I like to go get coffee with my girlfriends <laughs> and just be in the mountains. I like to be with my family, even though sometimes the kids don't like that. I like to go do things with my family. And you are a woman of faith as well. I do go to Deer Creek Church, and I enjoy that. It's interesting. that That's a whole other journey. But I, it used to be like, oh, Sunday. I think I need to run today. You know, and, but now it's like it's what I look forward to. Every Sunday, it's like, oh, we need to go to church. Certainly grown in that area. That's a big part of me, and I think my relationships with my kids and my husband it helped me be, hopefully, a better mom and a better wife along the way. Yeah. So, anyway, I was reading the seven... Steps to habits of highly effective. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I've heard that one. Yep. And and they talked about who has to be at the center of your life, and they went through all the examples of who it shouldn't be. You know, should it be your mm-hmm. husband, or should it be your wife? Should it be your kids? Should it be the activities? Should it be, you know, and none of these really made sense to be at the center, to be at the core. Eventually, it just came down to well, uh, some sort of omnipresent deity, some uh, higher power. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think it's just a logical conclusion. That would be the best suited person to be at the center of your universe. Yeah, I agree. And and it's sometimes it sure is hard to make that happen 
But I know in challenges I've had over these past couple of years that when I can focus on him, it helps a lot with the challenging circumstances. So one of the things in this book it was talking about is what things are you working on right now to grow? Uh, so can I ask you that? Yes. And I am actually working on, I don't want to like my sin, basically, like the parts of myself that I don't think are, um, they're not how I want to be. And I'm trying to be aware of, oh, I'm aware of those flaws and trying to do better about catching myself when I go away, I don't want to go. That's been a big part for me lately is just really being aware of where I can improve as a person, you know, not, not just a wife and a mom and a friend, but just as a person, you know, how can I be better, be a better person? I think that was one of the keys to the success we kind of hit on too, is being humble and willing to look at yourself. Yeah. And I got some pride and I was the youngest of four. I admit I was a little spoiled growing up and I still see sometimes that aspect of me. And I don't like it. I, it doesn't help in relationships, that's for sure. So I'm really trying to serve others and put others ahead of me and myself and, you know, finding ways that I can do things for other people instead of trying to be so focused. And honestly, I think being a professional athlete, unfortunately, I think a lot of it's about me. You know, I've got to you know do this and do this. And, and I was lived that life for a little while. Not that I was a bad person. Um, but there's a lot of, I got to get my run in and I need to do this and I can't eat. I've learned, I don't want to be that way. I want to put others first and be aware of how other people are feeling. And, you know, so it, it's a work in progress. Yeah, we all are, right? One of the things I've heard on different podcasts is put into the world what you want to get out of it. You know, like if you want, I don't know how far to take it, but if you want like real estate, help other people get real estate and then they're going to help you get it. Or yeah. help other people get a bronze medal or a gold medal. And then, you know, I don't know if they'll give it to you. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I think yeah. it's a, in this world of me, 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 it's, mm-hmm. I'm work, trying to work on being more generous. And Yeah, I am too. Yep. Yeah, I think we all, it's a yeah. weak spot in all of us. And, yeah, I'm really big on nothing new, but just treat others how you want to be treated. You know, it's... Do you want people yelling at you and honking at you and all this? If you do something, you know, by a mistake, no. So we shouldn't do that for other people. Not that we don't still do it sometimes, but <laughs> treat others as you want to. And then I also think, you know, there's a lot, especially if you look at the churches, you know, what we deserve and what we don't deserve. And I kind of feel like that we kind of maybe deserve to be treated as we treat other people. If we're treating people with love and kindness and gracefulness, then I think that, you know, maybe that's how we can maybe we'll be treated more often as well. So how can listeners get a hold of you? Let's say they want to call you for coaching. Do you still do coaching right now? I actually just got hired as a coach to help with the Highlands Ranch Running Club. They just meet at one or two days a week. And then I coach master swimming over at the Ridge. I do know if you look up Susan Williams triathlon, they could track me down that way. Well, thank you so much uh, sure. for coming on our show and Miss Bronze Medal Olympian. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Very- oh, thanks. Wow, that was quite the interview with Susan Williams. Doug, what do you think? I thought it was fascinating, you know. I still, even though we've been doing this for, well, this is what, 11th show, I think, uh, that we've recorded. Even though that's the case, I still find myself more interested in what the client is saying than um, willing to formulate my next question. So, you know, I'm listening to her talk about things and I'm thinking, wow, that's so interesting. And then it goes skyline for a minute and I think, oh, I should ask a question. I'm the host. 
I just I find these people to be so fascinating. I love to listen to to people's stories and the things that they do and the accomplishments that they have had. It's really, it's really fun to listen to. And and I like the fact that that her success is so varied. There's so many different things she's done. So yes, they've got a piece of real estate uh, and they're renting it out and they're making a profit on it and they're getting their money back for it. She's even talking about their personal growth there as far as some of the lessons that they've learned and how to buy and making sure you get an appraisal, for example, when you buy a property to know that you're paying an appropriate price for it. Just all of those things that you think, oh, I would surely do that, but maybe confronted with those same circumstances, you wouldn't. So listening to her talk about it, okay, yeah, I remember Susan's story here. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to get that appraisal, right? That sort of stuff. And then her success as an Olympian, that, that level of physical capability is just absolutely unique. I mean, there's, there's very few people who ever could get to that point. Uh, and even I think if you talk to like professional football players or basketball players, I don't know that they're in good enough shape to do some sort of triathlon. So, I mean, that's the elite of the elite there. Uh, and so, yeah, I love just the rounded nature of what she's done with her life, all of these different areas, you know? Yeah, she's very driven. As I'm getting into these secrets of success, one of the things that keep popping out to me is making a plan and executing the plan and having an accountability partner. I think you have to be kind of disciplined, you know, if not driven, to accomplish a plan, whatever the plan is. I love the combination she brings to the table of health, right? Your personal growth and health. And because if you don't have your health, why are you investing in real estate, right? Well, how can you do anything without your health? And I know I probably talked a little bit too much about it on the show, but the feeling, the freedom from the entrapment of not be able to control my weight, that was a big game changer for me. And a couple aspects there was I didn't know what a lead item was and what a lag item was, right? You can't make yourself lose weight, but you can control the amount of calories you eat. And then a reflection of that comes out in a lag as losing weight. And so for business, Doug, you're in sales, and it's like a commission-based sales, right? Yes. So you have lead and lag type measurements. Do you have any sort of things that you have to make a plan to call 10 people a day or anything like that? Well, yeah. I actually have a new support staff, which is nice, and I have partners who set appointments in that for me. So what I need to do, um, it's not so much that that traditional role of making phone calls to set appointments, it's being out with my partners and helping them get to a point where they find that opportunity so that the appointment can be set so then I can come in and close that business. It's helping them understand what kind of value we bring, how to talk to clients and how to understand the questions they're asking, where to take the client in a conversation and what to look for. You know, that type of training is what I do. And I need to have a certain number of those types of conversations really every week and talk to my agents every week just to make sure my partners are every week just to make sure that those folks are doing the things that they need to be doing and and driving those appointments. So for me, the leading indicators are things like the number of appointments that are being set, the number of conversations that are being had. The lagging uh, are going to be the number of people who show up for those appointments and ultimately the number of sales that I'm in. I just struggled with uh, doing these lead factors that aren't a guarantee. And I was like, well, why should I be doing something that's not a guarantee? Why don't I just go work, put in 40 hours a week at a W-2 job, and I know like there's a direct correlation to getting paid. But in this commission-based world, you go out and do the certain number of lead 
type things. And then at some point there has to be a correlation to the lag, to the results. So I finally start to understand that a little bit better. That was really kind of neat thing to realize. And, and I just want, again, want to say about the health factor, you know, I dropped like 20 pounds, I think the first time, and now I'm trying to get back down there again. I was struggling with acid reflux a little bit, and that seemed to have gone away when I was down losing the weight. And I also have a little bit of tinnitus ringing in the ears, and that seemed to improve. And and then I just generally felt better too. So there was like benefits besides just trying to accomplish a goal in being at a healthy weight. And I I just want to, I hear certain people struggle with this or that. And I'm like, you know, I bet you, you know, if, if you could drop some weight, that would reduce some of those problems in your life. But it's hard. It, it, you know, if any of this stuff was easy, we'd all do it, right? But it's really hard. But the result, I think, is worth trying some of this hard stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's really hard to lose weight when you're on the old Chicago diet. That's something that I found to be the case, you know? I mean, I'll they make great pizza. That's so good. I mean, come on. So I think the other key to that is moderation, right? I mean, you, you count calories and you do the things you need to do, but once or twice a week, you've got to have that meal where you could sit down and enjoy that pizza or enjoy those nachos or the chicken wings or whatever it is. Don't do that all the time, but do that sometimes. And that really takes the pressure off to maintain that diet. Right. Absolutely. I'm struggling with trying to incorporate all these things in your life. You can become so regimented. You know, like, oh, no, I can't go one calorie over, right? But somewhere in in this world, we have to have some freedom. So there's a balance between, like, sticking on a budget to, you know, like the Tippergans, right? They always uh, live below their means so they could have the cash later for an opportunity. And, you know, same thing, budget for money or budget for calories or or following the number of leads, calls that you got to go make. This all ties together. But there has to be freedom in there. Right. Which is, I think, where that moderation comes in. You know, it's the freedom to to go ahead and eat some pizza. Don't feel bad if you have pizza one night or, you know, chicken wings one night. We love those things. We've got to be able to be free to enjoy those things. But you know, stick to your diet for the rest of the time and you'll ultimately lose the weight. You know, slow and steady wins the race. You don't, don't want to drop all your weight in a month's time. You can't do that likely. It's not very healthy. So, yeah, moderation and a good plan. Yep, slow and steady wins the race. Just like real estate investing. That's why I like real estate. It seems to be a slow and steady way to accumulate long-term wealth. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Yeah. So what were the some of the takeaways that you got from her secrets to her success? There were two that really stuck out. One of them you've already mentioned a couple of times, and that's having that accountability. Right? I know you've talked about that, talked about it in the intro, and, and she went into that, uh, and we had an extensive conversation about it during the interview. But the accountability is important. And uh, the one thing that just is the case, no matter what, work hard, keep your nose to the grindstone, and get it done. Those are the things that I primarily took away from that. What about you? I thought one of the most interesting things was is that she talked about giving back. So after she was invested in as a young athlete, she's actually looking into helping train other people and give that knowledge back. And then she goes to schools and talks. And one thing I just never thought about when I was in my younger days is why would somebody spend their time teaching me how to do something, you know, but it really helps pass on your legacy, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that 
most people, when they're successful, they really understand the idea that it's not a zero-sum game. You, know, you talk about uh, and have, through multiple shows, talked about how the rental properties that you have are not just an investment. It's a service that you provide to the people who live there. It's not a matter of, it's not just that we're out there buying properties and doing these things in an effort to make money. Yes, that's part of it. But if we truly want to be positive in this world, then having that idea or that heart to serve another person, take care of other people through the work that you're doing, that'll really catapult you to the kind of the next level with that sort of thing. So yes, the properties will improve in value. The the, uh, rents that you earn will pay the mortgage and all that kind of thing. Maybe even give you some additional cash flow, which is all great for you. But if you can go to bed every night and know that the people who live in your house are warm, they're safe, they're dry, they're taken care of, then you really are are doing a good thing for humanity. And I think you're right. That's a, a form of giving back as well. When we're talking to these beginner investors, do you think that maybe trying to find a mentor is a good idea? Oh, absolutely. I think it's absolutely a good idea. That provides the accountability piece and it provides a, a roadmap that somebody who's been there and can give you some guidance as to things to avoid and things to actually focus on and that kind of thing. And I, I think it's just, it's good to have that person just to help give you the confidence to, to complete the things that need to be completed. You know, as I'm trying to start reading again and realizing that buying a book and reading from somebody's summarized life experiences is kind of like having a mentor. So there's no reason why somebody can't, as a beginning investor, go read some books at the very least and learn from other people's successes and mistakes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are plenty of books out there from anybody who's huge, like, Donald Trump and the real estate empire that he built all the way down to, you know, somebody uh, like Susan who has one house, right? And and that's her real estate business to this point, right? So, and everything in between and anything these people have to say, anything they've done, the experiences that they've had, we can all learn from that. Yep. Very good. Anyhow, I thought it was just a great interview with Susan Williams. So Doug, uh, do you want to take us out of here? Yeah, I'll take us out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening and tuning in this week. What an interesting person. I say that every week. I feel kind of like a like this would just be pre-recorded. This is a great person, and you can just plug it in. But there's so many remarkable people around. You just don't know who somebody is until you start talking to them. So uh, I'm going to leave with not just a note for business here, positive business, but just in general. Our society these days are so divided. You know, let's look past what people's appearance is what they're doing and and where they are and just try to see the person and learn that everybody is unique in their own way. Susan won an Olympic medal. If you stood behind her in the grocery store, you probably never realized that you were near someone who had such an accomplishment. So, you know, and and Howard Wallowitz went to space, right? So uh, if you watch the Big Bang Theory, you'll get that, that, uh, (laughs) that reference. That guy's a huge dork and he went to space. So, yeah, I think it's great. Everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for spending your time and listening to these people and enjoying what we've learned. Let's all go out there and and be kind to one another and do some real estate investing. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we find the secret ingredients for success. We all want to be successful in life. So let's break down the steps it takes to get there and learn from other people's journeys. We hope that through the stories you hear on our show, 
you will find success in your life.